Hello and welcome to Georgia Detail and I'm your host Mark Ripman. So I'm joined in this episode by Olivier Dupuis, founder of Lanterns Analytics, who like my own company, Ripman Analytics, are an early stage bootstrap specialist analytics consulting company, and who I've got to know quite well over the past few months as we operate and often collaborate on similar types of projects. So I've asked Olivier to come on the show to talk about what it's like to actually start and bootstrap an analytics consulting business today, um, and to compare notes and experiences with me on what works, where the opportunities are, and ways in which each of us are making it work. So Olivier, welcome to the show, and it's great to have you with us. Hi, Mark. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, luckily, I got your name pronounced it right in the end there. So uh, I think after about two tries there, I've uh, I've got that right. So um, you got it. Yeah. So just so just tell us, Olivier. Tell us about um, I suppose um, who you are and a little bit about Lanterns and also the route you had into this into this kind of business, really. Right. Uh, so it wasn't really a straightforward path. Um, I did start out uh, studying computer science. Uh, that was like at the end of the 90s. And I was doing web development afterwards. Um, for a few years, uh, I got bored with it and then went back to, to school and studied in political science and, and, and figured out that there was no money in there. So I, at the same time in parallel, I was still doing some stuff and doing programming uh, on the side. Um, so then when I graduated from university, I, I, I work at the university where I was studying for a few years there, um, mostly as a programmer analyst at first. And then I, I kind of like move forward in that. I, 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 I ended up managing a team of, of programmers and, and then, uh, I, there was like a big phase where we hired a bunch of business analysts and that was something really intriguing to me. I, I, I really got into it. I, that was something fascinating. And I decided to, uh, to concentrate on that. And, and for the next few years afterwards, I was doing a bunch of special projects, just doing some reorgs around the university uh, and running some special programs, such as we had one where it was called the Core Project. And what it was is that we were studying the uh, first year of study of our new students um, to make sure that they persisted in their studies. And that's where I really got into more the analytical side of uh, business analysis. Uh, so we were tracking a bunch of data around their journeys throughout their first year of study. And at that time, I was already using a lot of Tableau stuff. Uh, and, and it was it was uh, painful to structure the data at that time, but that was like part of the challenge that I was facing at that time that I didn't know, didn't know really how to deal with. And that kind of ended up like being like, almost 90% of what I do today. Um, so anyway, so I, I did that for a few few years and I, I really enjoyed that. And I decided that that was what I wanted to focus on. So really doing a bunch of analytics on on, on user journeys and, and, and stuff like that. So at that time, it was only students, but I wanted to look at other types of journeys. So I, I, I went to, to work on my own. I was doing a bunch of freelancing and, and I wanted to have a 
like really different experience. Uh, so I work with all kinds of, of companies uh, for the first maybe two, three years. Uh, but they always ended up having the same problem was that uh, the data was always a mess. Uh, so people wanted to have Tableau right away and, and do some analytics on top of it. So I was doing Tableau and R and stuff like that. So R was fine because I could do some cleanup beforehand, but it, it gets heavy whenever you have to start a project and do a bunch of cleanup of data. Um, so that's where I got into ETL and really trying to clean up the data beforehand. And then afterwards, you could do more uh, more analysis. Uh, but ETL was a was a challenge because I was doing it in Python and, and it was like really complicated to handle that. Uh, and that's exactly at that same time that I ran into DBT, so data build tool. And that's really something that opened my eyes a lot because here I was like really like struggling with that messy data and I didn't know exactly what was the best approach to that because all I wanted to do was doing the the analysis but but there was always that problem with the the, the quality of data uh, so by default I had to deal with data data architecture stuff and that wasn't really what I wanted to do or what I was like that wasn't necessarily my strength neither um, but DBT made it so easy, and the community around it is just really, really amazing. Uh, so I learned a bunch of stuff around that. And now, like, there is a, 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 an infrastructure that I really like to, to use for all my clients. Uh, and, and that's really how, like, that, that, um, that packaging of service came about. So what we do, like Lanterns Analytics, what it does exactly is that we, we mostly work with really early stage startups. So startups that, that have maybe five to 10 employees uh, that have a product online, a digital product, uh, and they've gone through, um, like they tried um, uh, SaaS-based services such as uh, Amplitude, Mixpanel, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, they want to go further than that. They want to improve their analytics. Like they, they already believe in analytics, how it can drive their decisions and how it, it can help them improve their product. Uh, um, so this is really the kind of projects that we work on. Uh, and again, I mean, it, the stacks are always the same. It's just that the services on top of it, it this is where it differs a little bit from, from one another. That was a long introduction. That uh, was a long introduction, wasn't it? Yeah, that was good though. I mean, it's um, so so I came across you really because I I, I you know, found your website, and in fact, actually, I came I'd, I'd noticed you before. I noticed your website before, and I think like a lot of um, us, you know, you certainly appeared to be a, a bigger organisation than, than than kind of like you know you are a very early stage like myself, and a very professional website as well. And you were talking, I think you were talking particularly about about product analytics there as well. Um, yes. So so you know, and and so just for anybody that is new to this kind of area, so. Um, so you mentioned tools like Amplitude and Mixpanel and so on there. I mean, what do they do that is maybe sort of different to what you'd get with a standard analytics tool? And what do you do beyond what those products do? Right. So Mixpanel, Amplitude, um, and well, I, I, I don't want to throw Google Analytics in there, but it, like kind of. 
So those tools, what they do is that they track user events on your product. Um, so you configure your product to track specific events. Uh, so like there are popular frameworks out there, for example, the pirate metrics. Um, so that, that, that just maps out like the usual journey of a user um, throughout like uh, using your product. So their acquisition, activation, um, revenue, retention, and referral or something like that. And it's not in the right order. But um, So what you end up doing is that you end up uh, tracking specific events uh, that are important in that journey. And, and Mixpanel Amplitude and, and others like that uh, allows you to analyze uh, those journeys in uh, individually, but also in aggregates. Now that's fine, and and, and I I actually really enjoy those, those tools. Uh, it it's really serves their purpose well, um, but but there are limits to it. Whenever you have multiple sources of data, that's where you kind of start reaching a limit. And for example, if you want to go beyond only your user journey metrics, and you want to start measuring your product market fit. Uh, so there are frameworks for that also. So for example, Dan Olson's uh, pyramid of the product market fit. So there are ways of measuring that, but it's not only based on the user journey. There are other stuff that, that's, that goes into the mix. Uh, and so you might be interested in grabbing data that comes from your acquisition channels also. Uh, you might be interested in grabbing data from uh, your help desk data or stuff like that. And your KPIs may be a bit more complex to calculate than just a specific event, uh, the aggregate of a specific event. Uh, it might be a ratio or something like that. And, and that's where you, you start ending up doing analytics that goes a little bit beyond those tools. Uh, and, and it does kind of limit you uh, in terms of what you can do with w within those uh, th those tools, um, the reason why is that you don't own the data. The data is, is within their own platform. Uh, so grabbing an extract of that data and doing your own an analysis can be painful and can be expensive. Uh, um, so this is kind of what I end up preaching: is that all right? It's fine if you want to use that at first. Uh, and and continue using it afterwards, but maybe you should consider owning your data uh, by using data collectors such as, such as Segment. Uh, uh, that that gives you a lot of flexibility afterwards to do your analysis in multiple SaaS-based services, or or even in your own BI tool like uh, Tableau, Looker, Mode, whatever. So I mean, so originally we were gonna we were gonna um, we were gonna talk about um, I suppose product analytics. And um, and what they are and so on in this episode. But as we got talking, we were talking about planning out this episode. You know, it became clear to both of us that actually, what would be an even more interesting topic is to talk about starting a business in this area, and and I suppose consulting and the business of consulting in in the market today. And um, and as context, really, I mean, I, I you know, I know you, you came from um, you work at university, and this is your first kind of business in this area. For me, this is actually the second one I've done. So I, I you know, co-founded a. Um, 
a, 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 I suppose, a more traditional kind of, in that case, Oracle-focused consultancy um, about 10 years ago now, actually, more than 10 years ago. Ran that for sort of, I was CTO for sort of seven years and so on. And certainly um, that was a different type of, you know, the business mark, the business environment was different then. The type of the type of consulting, the type of customers we have are different now. Um, and But there's also opportunities now that weren't there then at the time. And I thought it'd be interesting you know, I suppose to talk through with you, you know, what I suppose your motivations about starting a consulting business, you know, how are you making it work? And and I suppose some of the challenges really, you know, particularly bootstrapping it where, you know, I think both you and I are similar in that we started this company, these companies on our own. Um, and that brings, that brings opportunities and challenges really. Um, so let me just start, start with a straight question to you. You know, why did you go and start a consulting business? Why didn't you do what a lot of people do and go and work for maybe one of the kind of the product companies with the VC money and, and everyone's going to with beanbags and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Why did you start a consultancy business? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, for me, it wasn't really the other option. Option B wasn't really going to work for one of those uh, companies that you mentioned. For me, like in, in the region where I live, public su- sector is, is really big. Uh, everybody has like a really uh, nice job with great conditions. And that would have been like plan A for me. Um, so that, that, that should have been like what I've been, what I, what I do like for, for, for the rest of my career. <laughs> Sorry, my verb tenses are are wrong sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So you've obviously got you got a comedy French accent as, as I mentioned to you, earlier, and and, 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 um, and so tell us just in case everyone's clear, where, whereabouts do you work? Where are you based, actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I I'm in the province of Quebec. Uh, I am uh, two hours away from Montreal, uh, but specifically I live in the uh, the capital region, so it's in close to Ottawa. And now people don't know Ottawa, they know Toronto, they know Montreal, they know Vancouver, but Ottawa is still the capital of Canada, and that's the region where I live. And, and of course, like public sector, the federal government is the biggest employer here. Uh, and there's a like a large ecosystem of, of other employers that, that kind of lives around that. Uh, um, and there are a bunch of universities. One of them was the one where I was working at. And, and so I think that part of the answer to your question is, is exactly there. There was a lot of opportunities, uh, but the fact that like at the university, it was uh, such a, a fun environment because I had the opportunity to work on so many different projects uh, and, and I wanted to continue with that. Uh, so I did want it to uh, fresh project, fresh, fresh uh, um, challenges. Uh, and for me, like going uh, and, and start my own consultancy, it, 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 like it wasn't something really I would have thought of, except that I had a bunch of friends that were really into that also. And they kind of guided me towards that. And, and so I decided to why not. And then I started as freelancing and just to, for the, the fun of, of working on different challenges. And, and that's kind of how I got around to it. Now, like there is a difference between uh, like working as a freelancer and, and having uh, um, its own consultancy. And, and, and for me, freelancing was really about so just tell me what you want and then I'll make it happen. Now, consultancy is different because it's more enjoyable for me where I tend to work longer term with my clients. 
And, and this is really where they, they end up trusting me uh, with uh, understanding their business model, where they want to go uh, with, with their business. Uh, and they do understand the power of analytics, but they want someone they can rely on to really help them set up the, the infrastructure and, and guide them towards really leveraging data uh, to, to make their business um, better. So there is a lot of that in, in, in working as a consultancy is that you, you, you really have to have knowledge and be invested in, in your client's uh, business and, and, and really trying to, to uh, provide solutions for them that, that drives their business further. How about you, though? I, I really enjoy consulting. You know, I, I enjoy building a team. I enjoy building um, a company. Um, you know, I did it before and, um, you know, I, I sold my, my, my share at a certain point and, um, but I hadn't really given up on consulting. So I went to work in, in, in product for a while and product actually, and particularly working, um, for a company I worked for at the time, Qubit, you know, introduced me to a whole new world of customer types and business problems and use cases and so on that I'd not encountered before. So all the stuff you've been talking about around product analytics and customer analytics right. and so on, um, you know, I think the, the, the kind of dirty secret really of a lot of the consulting we used to do, I used to do before when it was in the Oracle world was most of it was actually trying to get things to work in the first place. It was trying <laughs> to install, it was trying to install software. It was trying to work out how to get this bit of middleware to connect to that bit of middleware. And actually the amount of analytics you did at the time was pretty minimal. Um, you know, it was mainly installing software mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and understanding understanding how it all fitted together. So, you know, the thought of going out and actually doing analytics consulting for customers, and particularly this market we work in where it's typically it's startups, it's digital businesses, businesses that are very much driven by data, it really interested me. But to answer your question about why I started the other consultancy, it's kind of like it's what you do. It's, it's in my blood. And I really enjoy doing it. Um, but, you know, certainly there were options out there, you know, working for, for product companies. I mean, at the moment, mm -hmm. particularly, you know, with the market it is with VC funding and, and so on, you know, it's there's a lot of money going around those companies. There's a lot of potentially there's very high salaries on, you know, that are there. Whether it will last, I don't know, but there's high salaries there. You know, the or there's actually the option and there's the option of actually, you know, working as a as a contractor, as we call mm -hmm. it over here. You know, and I think there there is a lot of kind of um, there's a lot of side benefits in that in doing that. But for me, I, I enjoy working with lots of customers, but I particularly enjoy building a team, and and that for me is something that you know that's the thing that's the big driver for starting another business. Um, but you know, I mean, what, I mean, is the team thing something for you, or where, where do you yeah. where do you sit in that area? I, I do have an ideal about it, uh, it, but I feel that I'm still far from it. Uh, so in my past life, when I was working at the university, uh, I had like the opportunity of working in multiple teams and multiple sizes, but there was one team size that was like the ideal size for me. And this is really the one that I want to reach again. Uh, like you, you do have to understand that for me, like that, that, that whole business, it, 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 its end goal is really to, um, like I, it, my my end goal is not to sell the business at, at some mm. point or anything like that. It, it's really to have like uh, fun projects to work on and, and work with uh, with multiple people that I enjoy working with, and, and really like, just have something that is enjoyable to do. So and that that includes having the ideal 
uh, uh, team size. And for me, it was like three to five people and that's it. So you, you okay. still be, end up being really agile. You end up uh, having like enough people to work with that. that um, like, for example, we did talk about that in a previous discussion. Mm. But uh, mm. like in three weeks time, I'm, I'm going on vacation for two weeks. So I'm gone. Mm. I'm, I'm going to Vietnam for two weeks and I'm not reachable at all. Uh, mm. So this is complicated to manage. Uh, mm. I do have clients, they, they are understanding, they do know about it, uh, but I would, I would really prefer to have other people working with me to, to be mm. able to, uh, to, for me to leave uh, without worrying about those projects and, and really have those, those projects continuing moving forward. So yeah, there is an ideal mm. size for me. I, I would like to build, to, to build that team. Uh, but for now, it's still too early for me. Um, yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, well, so I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, just to say on that, I mean, I think that numbers are interesting, and I think that um, I mean, one of the things I think that you and I um, talked about at the start was was actually the challenge of going from one to many. You know, one to, one to more than one person, um, and um, so so I think we discussed this before. And we were talking about you know that. Well, certainly I've found that with what just yourself doing things, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get from the point where you can actually kind of rise above that and start to go to, you know, start to go to two people because you're always right. working all the time yep. and you're always kind of delivering stuff. I mean, I, I've, I think I've got past that point now, but just, just maybe I'll just tell us about why that's a challenge really when you're starting a business to go beyond just yourself. Well, I think you're living it right now. No, <laughs> the fact that, uh, well, you do have to have like that critical, uh, I don't know how to say that in English, but the critical mass of, uh, of clients and, and revenues that comes in where you feel confident enough uh, to have someone come in and invest in that person and, and really trust that person to be like that, 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 that other face of your business that you, you, you're building and, and that is that is really hard. I, I like I did try that at one point. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, and it was due to mistakes I've done on my side most for most of it. Uh, but so I, for now, I, I'm kind of uh, um, uh, not scared, but uh, I, there is like that part where I think I could bring in someone else, but I. I don't feel confident enough yet to do it uh, uh, because it's still too early. And, and as you say, it means that you need to really pick up the pace in terms of your work output for, for the time that you train that person towards uh, being effective, not effective, but uh, uh, being able to kind of replace you on some of the projects. And, and the other aspect of it is that that means you need to be more on the selling side, on the managing side of things. And, like, although I do enjoy part of it, like, what I do enjoy most is, of course, working on the projects themselves. So I guess everybody does. But um, so, like, it, it, it's a fine balance. But yeah, how about you though? Because I, I know I think that you you there is one or two other people working with you right now. So how's that going? Yeah, so that I mean okay. So going back in time, so original with my original business, we 
we, we took the approach of hiring the, the best people. So we, we, we hired, and what I mean by that is very experienced consultants who mm-hmm. typically actually I met on the, on the, um, on the, on the consult, on the kind of the speaking circuit. So <clears throat> I would speak at a lot of um, Oracle events, for example, about analytics and, and we get to know other speakers there um, and, and they would come and join us. And we were, we, you know, we were the, we were the pinnacle of the industry. We, you know, if you, if you were, you know, the peak of your career was to work as a consultant in my old company um, and, and that's good, but the, the problem with that is is there's there's to be, to be blunt, it's not a very good business. It's not a very kind of um, profitable business. And the reason that's an issue, obviously, is because like any you know, like any business, it goes in cycles. And there are times when things go quiet. There are times when you need to have some reserves. You need to have a bit of kind of margin there. And a business that that is always paying its its team only fractionally less than actually in your earning, and you've got a lot of people that aren't actually out there billing. Um, then, then that can get quite interesting, you know. So, mm-hmm. with the new business, you know, we I, I took the approach of thinking, well, we want to develop a team, we want to develop um, our own staff, we want to go and hire people who aren't necessarily working with tools like Looker now, but have that talent and ability and interest such that we can train them up, you know. Um, and 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 yeah, that, that to me is is the kind of the, yeah, that's the strategy I think that we need to do to have the quality you want, um, and and also to have a business that makes sense, really, you know. Um, now, what I was curious about was that are the people working with you all um, locally in the same region as you or are you working with them remote based? Yeah, so so a combination, really. So um, a couple of people work with us remotely, people I've known actually from from other companies I've worked at. So product people and engineers and so on work with me. Um, and um, so they're remote. Um, but actually, you know, we're trying to recruit um, uh, locally if we can. So I, I live down in Brighton. I live down in Brighton, which is about an hour from London. But it's sufficiently far away that there are people who would rather, you know, not be travelling to London every day. And so are talented and know their stuff and are very kind of, um, you know, keen to learn. But the fact that we're based in Brighton um, and we go to London occasionally, but not every day, that's a that's you know that's a, that's a kind of a benefit really. Um, so you know there are people out there we're doing that with them. But what it means though is it, it, you've got to kind of um, you've got to think quite carefully about training. Um, you know because what you're not going to find is someone who even in the first you know few weeks or even months is going to be able to replace what you do. So you've got to think about it quite carefully, and and that creates a cost. And it means it needs thinking about and and I think as people like you and I who probably in our if we had a fair spare hour we'd go and, well, we'd rather go and learn a new product than write down a process um, and so it takes quite a lot of discipline I think to think about that and and actually maybe kind of you know a couple of kind of goes at it before you get it right right so wh- what are you aiming in terms of uh, of uh, team size. Well, that's interesting as well. So, so I, I think like you, I think there's a, 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 you know, I would like to be in the position of having, um, say, you know, three to five people working with yeah. us, um, mm-hmm. um, in full time, um, within, say, within, say by, I don't know, sort of like spring next year. So at the moment we've got three, um, and I want to get to kind of five and there's always a balance there between, between, you know, um, take, going too fast and, and therefore maybe kind of having an issue with, with, with revenue or just kind of quality is another thing because you're trying to do too many things at once. But, but it's interesting you talk about three to five because that, that's good and I get that. But, you know, there is a level beyond that really when yeah, I think, you know, once you start, you mentioned about sales and I think it's really important mm-hmm. that you and I do sales now because you've got to get in there. You've got to 
do you've got to think about the, 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 the what is the financial side of any kind of project you do and you've got to think about what is the actual benefit to the person that you're working with yeah and that's why i think it's important that we know we do sales but also we're probably not very good sales people and at a certain <laughs> point at a certain point you want to hire someone in but that then means that if you hire a salesperson in they're going to bring in revenue over here in pounds and maybe a million a year they're going to support six consultants so you need to get right, to about right. You need, to, you need to be about 10 then, but really that is the level at which that's the kind of minimum size really you can be at to work with some of the bigger customers, the, the enterprises and so on. And that is, you know, that is in terms of revenue and longevity of projects and so on, that knocks the kind of customers that you and I are working with now out of the, out of the field, you know, in terms of business potential. So I mean, there's a lot in that conversation. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, the so what I'm hearing most like, are – not only what I'm hearing, but I guess what I'm hearing is mostly my concern about it. Um, and my biggest concern about it is really the type of role that, that it leads you to. Um, like, like I mentioned, I do really enjoy um, working directly with clients on the projects and, and doing the technical work and, and all of that stuff. Uh, I do enjoy building the business, of course. That That is really fun and as you say of course I, I i am not a great salesperson but at the <laughs> same time i i do enjoy it because i think it's important right so you like i'm working with someone that that is really good with that and is he's, he's teaching me a lot of stuff that is really interesting like really understanding the struggle that you're trying to 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 solve and how you want to um, to package your services uh, to to kind of um, uh, help those people move forward with you, uh, not selling the Cadillac right from the start, but how how to gradually get them on board with you. If I'm going to interrupt yeah. you there, actually, yeah. that is kind of something that's something that I think you've done really well. So so just to kind of to focus on this, actually, so something that I think you've done well on your your company website and the way you do things is you've sort of like productized your services and you've made it, it you, you make it, I think, you know, easier for someone to buy what you're doing. And the reason I say that is because one of the things that really kind of was a bit of a sort of a shocker for me was I was at, I was um, exhibiting at a Looker event, a Looker Join event in, in, mm -hmm. in London. And one thing that struck me was uh, most of the people that came to my stand to talk, talk to us didn't actually know what a consultancy was and didn't know uh, or, or, or just didn't even kind of think about the idea of hiring in services to help with their looker implementation. And I think part of that is because, you know, the way products go these days, it's, you know, it's, it's self-service, it's SaaS, it's whatever. And yeah. I think you've done a pretty good job of doing, of, of actually making your services in, into a product. So tell us about that. What, what do you, what do you, what, what are the sort of packages you do and how have you done that? Right. So, I mean, there's two things to that. So the, the first one I, I should say is that there is a company out there that I, I, it's not that I know them and I've not used them specifically, but I really like their business model and they're called Pilot, uh, pilot.com. Right. I don't know if you know about them, but no, essentially no, it's, no. it's a pretty simple service. What they do is that they do their, your bookkeeping. Uh, it's only for QuickBooks. And so they automate a bunch of stuff on uh, on it, uh, uh, but but it's also a personalized service. So you you start off working with them, and they automate most like ninety percent of the all of the work that they do for you, and then the the, the remaining ten percent is for uh, really custom needs that you might have. So that's kind of how I I figured that I wanted to approach that is that 
Um, so there is like a specific need uh, that I think that most of the clients that I work with have, uh, which is that they need to organize their data first. Uh, and they end up needing, like the reason why they want to organize their data is because they want to have insights into how their product is 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 doing so the health of the product their users how they're behaving and all of that stuff but it's always similar the way that you use that that you build that stuff it's pretty pretty similar um so what i end up doing it with again with the help of uh, a friend of mine was that uh, it's it's based on the like concept of uh, a value ladder um so it's really all right. So you, you're starting out. You're you're not really familiar with product analytics, and you end up uh, on our website. Um, but you don't want to commit yourself to any kind of like monthly retainer or right right away. So how how do you how can we help you uh, figure what product analytics and how it can help you and and slowly build that that relationship that we have with you so there is that newsletter that we do it's a weekly thing that we, we just send like four stories really simple stuff that that just gives you like an idea of what product analytics is and, and it's my take on what happens throughout the week and, and that's it so that's like a first level there is like uh, uh, there is a second level, which is a, a guide uh, that uh, we wrote on, on the subject, and it's always evolving. So it, it's based on on the projects that I work on and, and kind of my thoughts on, on how to do product analytics. And the idea behind that is if someone wants to do it themselves, then go ahead. This is our approach to it. Uh, go uh, like. Take whatever you want in there and, and and move forward with that. Now, if they want to start working with us, then this is where we start introducing the paid packages. Uh, so the first one, which is not on the website now, but it's, we're working on it, is just a, like a simple phone call, uh, just to have like a bit of insights on what their challenges are and how we think that they might be. The, what they should do to to kind of improve their infrastructure and how to better use analytics. Uh, beyond that, then there is a core package. The core package is really, all right, so we have that bunch of data. We want to organize it. So this is where really what we end up doing is that we grab data from different sources. Uh, uh, for example, uh, using segment, we throw that into a... Um, a data warehouse, we build a DBT or an ETL on top of it, and we transform that towards a data warehouse. And then you can start consuming that data in whichever service you want. So uh, again, Tableau, Looker, R, uh, Mode, whatever. If you want to go further than that, then we have more like uh, custom uh, services. So this is really more like a... a, a um, a retainer service. So we start working more closely with the clients. So there is that concept of value ladder where we want people to feel like there is a way for them to move forward uh, with us without like having to spend the thousands of dollars that they might not have at this mo- at this moment, and they they don't really understand the value yet of what what can be accomplished with with product analytics. So. So that was kind of the idea behind all of that. 
Okay. Okay. And okay. And you mentioned you mentioned, okay. So you mentioned retainers as well. I mean, one of the I suppose one of the problems that bedevils I think all early consultancies really is is this thing where we're all doing a project here, a project there, and and you know, and you often it's often feast and famine because when you're working on yep. a project, you can't go out mm-hmm. and uh, win new ones. Mm-hmm. And there's also this I suppose we all kind of aim for this holy grail thing of of, of kind of retainers or things where a customer <laughs> commits to a long term relationship and and lets and lets you kind of like. Um, build a relationship you can maybe do some recruiting based off of that and right. how have you found how have you found the, have you found the challenge of going from spot spot projects to this retainer thing and and have has it worked for you or what's the kind of thinking behind that um well i don't know why i guess i've been really lucky but almost from the start uh, it, it has always been retainer clients that i've had that i've worked with so of course, there has been like smaller projects here and there, but I've always been fortunate to I always have like two to three clients that I work monthly with. And that gives me like really a, a lot of stability in, in my revenues, of course, to 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 experiment with stuff and try other other things. And, and, and yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it's not as if I had to move from one model to another. Uh, it, it's been I, I've been really lucky, as I said. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly how that happened, but yeah. How about you, though? Is it mostly retainers, or is it mostly? Well, it's been um, so. One, again, one of the things I, I, I learned from the work, to work I did at Qubit, and, and particularly from e-commerce, and, and, and the analysis we were doing was the value of retaining customers. You know, and the the cost in getting new customers, and the value in in, in retaining customers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, understanding their needs um, and, uh, and you know, building that relationship and, you know, turning, I suppose, one-time customers into into repeat buyers and so on. And that, you know, that's a classic e-commerce strategy, um, you know, but it's also, I think, a great strategy for building a business. And one of the things I think I've been very kind of, you know, focused on and pleased about is that every customer that we, we have has been a reference, which has been great. Um, and also, um, we make a real, real effort to um, to retain those customers, and so that, by definition, kind of makes you know makes customers repeat customers. Although it's not always month on month, every month, it can be maybe a gap of a few months and then come back. But certainly, you know, I was the CTO in my previous consultancy, and I could focus really almost entirely on the technical work we're doing. And I think one thing I've tried to do very much in this new business is be a lot more of understanding of what the business problems are that we're trying to solve. Um, because I think that is the key to it. And, you know, maybe to you again, question to you is, you know, how, how do you, how do you try and make sure that you understand what the problem is you're trying to solve at the end? And how do you, I suppose, differentiate what you're doing from every other service out there that does the same sort of thing? How, how do you particularly win customers and work out what the problem is and, and so on? Yeah, that, that is definitely the biggest challenge, I would say. Uh, it's, it's because I don't work in the product team. I don't work within the business. So it feels like I don't have the ability of being directly involved in, in, in product teams and, and working closely with, with a bunch of multiple product owners and understanding how the, how they go about do, making their decisions. So, and, and I think that that the service that we're offering is really about that. So we want to help them make better decisions by leveraging data. Um, so understanding the struggle themselves is, is, is difficult because 
again, like I'm not doing direct observations of of those of those product owners. Now that is kind of really different than when I was working at the university, where uh, we were observing closely the 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 students and, and then we were doing a bunch of weekly interviews with them. And so we had like access to the raw uh, situation and the raw struggles. And then we could, we could understand better with the data and then come up with solutions. Now that's not exactly how it works here. So for me, that is the biggest challenge. So how do I get like the raw information from product owners? How do I get the conversations going with them? And really understanding the, uh, the their struggles uh, it, it, it is not easy at all. So um, I don't know. Okay, interesting, <laughs> interesting. I mean, for, for for me, I think I was lucky in that having worked in a product company for a couple of years before starting the second business. Yeah, you know, I was a pro- I was a product manager. You know, I, I'm I'm you know I was by no means the best project manager ever, product manager ever. But I was certainly I certainly observed what was involved in mm-hmm. in being a product company, building a platform, and that was useful. You know, and I think the other thing is. Um, that um, I think it never does any harm to go on site and meet people. And I think that one of the things, I'm not saying you don't do this, but, but certainly for me, um, you know, it's very easy. You, you can do this business remotely. You know, you can deliver right. consulting, you mm-hmm. can do hangouts, you can do Zoom, you can do whatever. But it, there's nothing beats going on site and spending time with people really. And that for me, and that, and also, you know, the meetups we run and, and just generally getting out of, you know, your, um, you know, your, your kind of comfort zone, really going to see and meet customers is, is, is kind of important. But as you say, I know it's, it is a challenge really, you know, in there. Um, well, another topic I want to talk to you about actually, just moving on, because I'm, you know, it's, it is actually running your own business. Okay. So there's a phrase in, in England, um, we say, you know, dentists have the worst teeth and, you know, hairdressers, <laughs> have, hairdressers have the worst hair and so on because. Oh yeah, we have you one in you, French you, also. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because part, part of it is you can't, you can't be a dentist on your own teeth, but also you tend to neglect your own business or certainly, I mean, so, so how have you gone about, I suppose, running your business in a, in a, in a, an efficient way, given that you are the main delivery person, the main sales person, the main ops person, how have you done that? Wow, I don't even know if it's efficient right now. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I guess that it, it is. Uh, at the end of the year, everything is working out. Uh, I've, I was able to pay myself and the collaborators, and then I still have uh, enough money in the bank to to start the next year with with enough leverage uh, to to uh, be comfortable, like experimenting with 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 with, with some projects and and. and and still have like those clients that are retainers and that that will be continuing kind of working with us. So, I mean, it is a small business. I I've been running it for the last five years in terms that it was like a freelancing business at first, and and I started out by really. I did invest like in, in in working with professionals that are really good. Uh, for example, an accountant, and and we have that concept of notaire in here, which is a lawyer, financial lawyer, or something like that. But it's in Quebec, it's a little bit different. Uh, so those people are working closely with me, just so that the business is 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 uh, is well structured, is is healthy. Uh, but in terms of daily operations, uh, it's really a balance. Uh, for me, the, the number one priority is always the, the client projects. Uh, uh, so I do make my rounds uh, speaking with, with clients almost every day. Uh, and 
as you say, I mean, I, I do work remotely with them. So they're based mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. I have clients in, in California and I have ones in, in, in London, actually. So, okay. so they, they are pretty spread. So that means it's a bit complicated to, to touch base with them every day. But that is like, that is key for me to do okay. that. Um, but okay. yeah, I mean, besides that, I, I, I wouldn't say that there is any. Okay. How about you, though? So, so I took a, a probably a quite a different approach, really. So, so, so you know, having having I suppose been co-owner of a business that had about 150 staff at one point, you know, uh, I, I certainly was aware of how, what the systems looked like at that kind of scale, and I'm also was aware of what it what ha- you know, I was aware of what happened when you didn't have those things in place on day one because we were new to it at the time. Um, you know, so I think you know, for example, we didn't do our management accounts for for many years. We didn't have kind of an integrated platform for many years because you just you know you learn as you go along. But what I did this time round was was you know I had the luxury of um, a little bit of time before I started this new business where I could get things set up. So I kind of built out the infrastructure and the company structure to scale, you know, to be of the scale that can easily get to sort of twenty people really. Right. So you know, we've got we we've got you know um, back end CRM systems, accounting systems, um, to delivery systems, all that kind of stuff in place. So such, you know, things like a service desk and, and so on, they're all integrated in together. So, you know, and the data, as you know, all gets landed into, say, BigQuery, mm-hmm. I do analytics mm-hmm. on it. And I'm also hired in someone as well on up for ops early on. So I just generally want, I wanted to get to the point where watchwords were, first of all, you know, have, have the room to scale up, you know, don't have to kind of throw it all out and start again in a, in a bit of time. Um, watch watch the cost of it because you could obviously spend a fortune on this, but you know, with, with SaaS software these days, it's not so much. Um, next bit was um, to make it as efficient as possible, so as little paperwork. You know, nothing is printed out, nothing is nothing is is like that. It's all kind of um, electronic, and it's also all linked together with things like Zapier and workflows right. and pipelines mm-hmm. and so on. But I kind of thought to myself, let's get it, let's get that scale right at the start, and let's make it so that the the business operations are as efficient to run as possible such that we can then, you know, so I can then concentrate on delivery and sales really in this first part, because if I, if I yeah. spend all my, I remember back, back then we used to spend hours just printing out things like, you know, invoices and photocopying things and whatever. And, 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 you know, for me, it was important to get that right at the start really. Um, so um, yeah. yeah. I, I wish I had like a, a better planning story than I have. I mean, I, it really was always hacking something together as, as things evolved. And I did have a look at, at your infrastructure uh, based on the uh, blog post that you published. And I, I, I was impressed about it. <laughs> but for example, for me, like there are a bunch of stuff that I do that is so inefficient that I know I could I could do better. But it all started out working with G sheets, right? Uh, and then, uh, then afterwards, you start. All right, you get a little bit more fancier, uh, like Trello and now Asana and stuff like that. And, and then there's QuickBook in there. Uh, but for example, just my 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 sending my invoices. It's such a complicated and inefficient uh, process that it's laughable. And I know there there must be like a better way of doing that. So I totally agree with you that the end goal should be for me to figure that out uh, because, like the the objective is to scale, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But- and also, and also the data. The data is interesting as well. And and for me, you know, one of the first things I did was was to land all the data for all these systems into BigQuery, then use you know DBT as we talk about, and and then actually 
understand what the data is kind of telling you because oh, excuse me because that you know for business for us data is data is what we do and and there are so many insights in our own data that you know to understand about patterns i mean one thing i did actually that was very interesting at the start what i thought was interesting was uh, there's a couple of projects that i worked uh, done for customers one of which one of the projects um i i had um i had you know in terms of amount of days that i'd spent on the project was was kind of maybe a medium-sized project and but the customer was was incredibly you know this is fantastic it was just everything was fantastic on the project <laughs> the, the, the other project i did was one where um where i, I put in a huge amount of effort uh, and, and you know you abs- i absolutely knocked it out of the park in terms of kind of effort and so on but the customer was always a little bit kind of like you know um ambivalent and it's because yeah. It was because the um, it, and looking at the data behind it, you know, we export all the data from Jira and so on into into kind of like into BigQuery and, and look at it, and and it was it's because of the it's because of the expectations we set at the start, and actually it's because in this case we let I let the customer drive what we were doing and the rate at which we were doing it, and it was clearly unrealistic, and and it meant that things you know a lot a lot of things got done maybe two thirds all the way through. And and but so I suppose having the data on that and being able to look back at right. it and think, well, what does that tell you about your own business? I found that very useful, really. Um, so, but yeah, it, it is a little bit of kind of um, I suppose I had time at the start to do it, but also awareness of of what you need to get having have in place you know, later on, and and wishing you'd sort those things out at the start. Right, and and this is kind of the lessons that you you learn how as you move forward. Uh, um for me like it, it was all right so how do i acquire clients how do i structure my website how do i get insights into how people are using my website and, and now the operations is something that i've been trying to focus on a little bit more in the last few months like uh, standard operational uh, procedures and stuff like that i'm trying to document all of that stuff because i'm thinking that someone else might be coming in at one point uh, uh but it, it is a challenge because it's not something uh, sexy to do. It's not something that is really interesting that, that uh, you, you just want to do it first thing in the morning. Uh, but it, it is something that is important to do. And, and, yeah, and because there is so much legacy systems in there, <laughs> uh, trying to change uh, everything, uh, not everything, but parts of it, uh it, 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 it is a big undertaking and, and so like i it would have been nice to have the luxury as you say that to, to start things off and have like a big plan on how you want to run your operations it wasn't the case uh but i think that it, it's true also uh, especially in my case uh your expression of uh in in england it's uh dentists who uh, have bad teeth or something like that. Yeah, in French, it's, uh, it is a cordonnier mal chaussé, which means uh, 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 the shoe key, not the shoe maker who uh, doesn't have nice shoes or something like that. Uh, so it, it is a bit truth, and it, there is a bit of truth in there. Like, it, it, everything is not all <laughs> well structured on my side, but it does make sense. Uh, like in the end, I, I do figure my stuff out. I do rely on data. I do have like the means of going and 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 digging into that data, but it's not always as best structured as I wish it was. So changing topics now. So partners. Okay. So so one of the I suppose a, a difference between 
this business I have now and, and the one I had before was that back in the days um, before, it was very much, you would typically kind of partner with one company. In our case, it was Oracle. And right. Oracle did so many things that, you know, you could really do, you know, virtually any aspect of IT would be done by Oracle. And and and, and so you could do that. And and But actually, you know, certainly something happened in the, in the analytics world, you know, in the in the intervening years since that business a new one is this kind of I suppose this this almost like um uh what's the word disintegration of, of mm-hmm. you know disintermediation yep. of, of analytics and yep. we now have a lot of companies in this market now mm-hmm. question to you is really you know what is but and, and obviously there's a benefit potentially in partnering with these companies um and so partnering you know it, it potentially means you collaborate on some sales opportunities it means maybe you've got a bit of a closer relationship with the with the development team for example a partner team but you know but there there are lots of companies out there and some of them are you know i suppose there's a limit to what you can do i mean what's your strategy around partnering How, who do you choose to partner with and on what basis do you do that right and i think that was kind of similar for me for for a while i i did consider uh, joining the partnership program for Tableau. Uh, it, it would have been like a nice move in terms of getting projects that 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 revolved around Tableau because like I've been I've been using that that product for for such a long while and I know their ins and outs uh, of Tableau. But at the same time, it wasn't exactly the type of projects that I wanted to run on uh, to to work on exclusively. So I was always kind of feeling uh, I'm not sure about that one. And that's that's kind of where at that point that I stumbled upon DBT, and then um, uh, and, and there was a lot of uh, blog posts from the Fishtown guys about the modern BI stack and everything like that, and that really caught my interest. And, and so, as you say, there is like now an ecosystem of companies around that. That not that they're coordinating themselves together, but there is like a bunch of services that makes up though that 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 modern BI stack, for example. So of course there's DBT, but there is Segment, there's Stitch Data, and now there's Snowflake, and and all of those services are really interesting, and and you can use them in uh, uh, like interchangeably. Um, but there are ones that I, I like I prefer working on uh, with. So the idea of 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 joining partnership programs with them is what is the benefit behind that? And for me, uh, the, the question wasn't really about, uh, can I get more clients through those partnership programs? Uh, currently, like the one that I'm, I'm um, um, going through is the segment partnership program. And, and this is really an interesting one because there is now a bunch of products that not a bunch of products. There is the personals pro, uh, personas uh, product and there is the protocols product uh, that they've built on top of their their core product. Uh, and, and to have access to it, you, you do have to pay for it. So, and it, it's really interesting additions, extensions that they, they've they've created uh, to their core offering. So going through their their um, their partnership program does allow us uh, to have access to it, and, and there is a lot also of 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 thoughts that they've put into how how to help your clients uh, really structure your analytics. So there is a lot of stuff in there that that I'm really learning from, and, and so there is value to it. And it's the same thing with Fishtown Analytics, like there. 
I did have that conversation with them uh, two weeks ago or something like that. And I think that they're interested in, in, in leveraging that partnership to really um, help the consulting businesses that are in that, their ecosystem really learn more about DBT and how to really leverage DBT to, to, for their own projects. So, so for me, it's more about learning at this point. Uh, I don't know if there is anything more to it that I'm thinking of right now, but really having access to those products and really learning more about them. How about you? Okay, so I think it's, I think partnering with vendors is is an important um, is an important kind of I suppose sales channel, and it's an important way to um, I suppose give give a, a better service to customers because I think by partnering and going through their certifications. You, you have a certain level, there's a certain level of competence there, which I think is good. And I think it's also something, you, something that it is very, if you're very mindful of, is that probably the time at which a customer most needs um, services is at the time when they first implement something. So, and so it's a bit like if you're a builder or you're a decorator or something, you know, when you want to, when, when you, you want to partner with kind of, you know, in our case, estate agents or builders or whatever. Um, because that because it's when the house is being bought and people are moving in that's when there's opportunity and so i think that you know in in our world uh, when someone's buying a new looker system or they're partnering or they're using they're working with snowflake and they're they're putting in snowflake for example that is when there's an opportunity to do you know that's when they most need services you know so or that's certainly the time when they're most receptive mm-hmm, to that mm-hmm. so so the strategy i've always had is 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 to partner you know initially the main partnership was with looker um and i think um they've been fantastic and certainly um in you know there wasn't a an established um look a dominant looker partner in in the uk um and so there's an opportunity there for that um you know the work i did with qubit in the past meant that there was a kind of um a, a critical mass of people customers i knew who used it um but i think also the thing to bear in mind is that um you know, if it, a, look, a looker project, an analytics project, is only going to be a, a, potentially a small part of a bigger thing going on, and that's why I think it's also we also partner with Snowflake, for example. We still partner with Oracle, you know, and we're hopefully pretty soon getting the partnership with Google Cloud sorted out. Where, you know, in a in a typical kind of project that has looker in there, there's usually a data, there's usually a database migration to the cloud, or there's a new implementation of that. There's you know, there's a lot more going on than just the analytics. And I think customers want you to be able to do more than just analytics, but also, you know, on projects we work on, typically, you know, maybe 20% of the revenue is, is analytics. The rest of it is what people will call now data engineering. So, you know, having those partnerships with, with, with vendors like Snowflake, for example, is important. But I think the other part of it is realizing why do they want you, right? And they don't want you, these partner, these vendor yeah, partners, yeah, yeah. Just go, to, to just go in there and pick up business. They want you to generate business for them. And that's the other part to it, really. But isn't it true, though, that that kind of uh, defines your acquisition strategy is that people are working with your company first because they have like a specific technical challenge that they're encountering with whatever, for example, Looker. And they know you're the Looker expert in, in, in London, mm-hmm. so they'll start working with you on that specific project uh, and then based on that afterwards, you start building that relationship towards more, more longer term uh, contract or whatever uh, type of work. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, there's that. Yes. That, that, and that certainly is the, the route that we've, you know, that, that is one way in there. And, and so what you go in as is as the, you're the technical experts and you go in there, they've got a problem with, they've, they've, they've maybe kind of implemented Looker, 
they've got maybe a problem in a certain area. And I had one customer recently that was, um, they were using Power by Looker. So they're using it embedded in their application. And they just need, as a bunch of issues around that and the performance of the Snowflake database they had that they wanted us to help with, you know. But actually, to, you know, really, you know, that that is, you know, the problem is with that, once that's done, that's done. And it, you can build it out. But it's, you know, really the thing to be doing is trying to be talking to the people you know, the, the, owner, the founders, the owners and so on, getting involved at a much more fundamental level, um, you know, in, in projects that are about, if in the end, business transformation, you know, mm-hmm. typically. Or, mm-hmm. or how do we, and I think coming back to this, the, I think the biggest, the, the challenge I keep hearing from people now, the thing that they really want help with, um, it, it beyond just getting this bit of Looker to work, for example, is, you know, Looker's motto or Looker's sales pitches, you know, we democratize analytics and we help, you know, you can scale analytics within your business and you can, you can become data driven. Okay. And I think that the challenge though is well, what does that mean and how do we do that? How do right. you actually make a business become data driven? And, and if you can get involved in that kind of work and if you can truly make a difference for customers, you know, in making, in helping them actually become more data driven and truly democratize analytics, that is, that's the real, that's where, you know, on both sides, it becomes really valuable, really. And if you can tell a story around that and do that repeatedly, that is kind of like, you know, that, that is really good. Um, but, you know, it's hard to sell that as a thing. And right, that's where, right, right. you know, sometimes, some, that's where, and so our strategy for the first year was just build a reputation, you know, build a reputation, you know, get people to know about you and, and, and but focus on this. What is the end business goal for them in hiring you in? Why did they buy Looker? Why did they buy you know, snowflake, it must've been to do some change in their business. So it, it always assumes though, that they, they are pretty far along in their, their analytics journey, right? Because they've already invested well, in Looker or in snowflake and they're encountering like challenges. And that's where they kind of start working with you uh, because they've got to the point that potentially i mean so so just interrupt you there i mean what i mean what one of our customers is you know it was pre-series a we got we were brought in so we were brought in really by the founder um and and you know for the first year or so really we were mainly just working with that founder um and 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 they've got their series a funding that's that's great and and now we're working with them to to really kind of drive the business with this so i think one lesson i learned was uh, you know the tools like looker they they are better fit for companies that are post series a because of the cost of it and so on but actually you know you you can get involved in earlier companies and you can help them on this journey but you know i think that um it's it's you know it's harder to do that but certainly you know if you can be a part of the team that got them to that series a series b you know maybe a kind of like a ipo thing that's really interesting really yeah, and I think that's part of the idea that 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 is behind like the the the, the weekly newsletter that that we're running and the the, the guide that we've published and all of that stuff is that uh, I I think the the goal here is that we would like to start working with those product owners before they end up running into those. Uh, like having invested in Looker and then run into problems and then we fix it and then we we start building a relationship with them. Like uh, probably it's a bit uh, um, idealistic uh, uh, to try to grab those uh, product owners before they're they've like reached the wall. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think in the end that we're trying to reach for the same kind of uh, of not mandates, but relationship with those, with those clients. 
So, so to round up then, I mean, so yeah, obviously, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're not building this to sell it. You're, you're looking to kind of build a company where it's, you do fun projects and so on, yep. but, but you know, where, where, I mean, where do you, I mean, it sounds like I'm interviewing you for a job here, but um, <laughs> where do you see yourself, where do you see yourself in five years time? I mean, do you, is it, is it, you know, is, is it, could you, you know, is this something that is, you know, what we call a lifestyle business where yeah, you, you're doing it, it, you know, it or, or, or is it something where you're thinking it would be nice to maybe kind of cash out and do this, do something different and, you know, whatever, and buy, 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 buy a van selling those chips with gravy and cheese on it that you, that you have over there or something. Uh, exactly. But, you know, what, what, what's, what's your, what's your, what's your, what's your five-year plan? Yeah. What's your kind of uh, thoughts on this? First off, I have to say that it's been a while I've heard that question, what's your five-year plan? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, to be honest, it, it is like a lifestyle business. I, 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 I have three kids. My girlfriend has three kids. We're pretty busy. We, we like to do a bunch of stuff. Like we, we practice sports and all of that. So there is a bunch of other stuff that going, that's going on in my life. So for me, that business is really about really finding clients that I like their business model and they want to invest in analytics and that they're ready to work multi-years with us. Um, not multi-years, but for, for a long run with us, that they really want to partner with partner with us and build our analytical capabilities with us. So for me, that is really like the holy grail of the, uh, 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 of uh, Lantern Analytics. So, so in five years, hopefully everything, uh, uh, like the business model will be more clear. Uh, the acquisition channels will be clearer also. Maybe there will be like three to five people in that team of mine. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I, I guess that that is the ideal situation in three to, uh, in, in five years. Uh, how about you though? Like I'm curious though because it, it, it's not exactly the same end goal that we have both of us, right? Uh, well, I mean, I think I think you know, I suppose you can't really. I mean, I think. I suppose, I suppose it's more about kind of guidelines for how we do things. So first of all, I think if you've got a business where you look after the staff, you look after the customers, and you watch the margins, then then you, by definition you've got a good business. And I think if you put your if you put your time into it, if you don't kind of you know if you don't if you don't kind of um, wing it or as we say over here, phone it in with customers, if you put the effort in, then there's a business and and that will be good. You know, I think that. Um, it's um so so i think beyond that anything i guess who knows really but i think it's for me consulting is is what i enjoy doing and building a team is what i enjoy doing and one of the things that i am most proud of in fact probably the thing i'm most proud of with my old business is the fact that you know i suppose probably half a dozen or whatever more so of the people that work there you know as consultants are now working in pretty kind of serious roles in 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 you know in various kind of companies they're out there now and and one of them you know one of them very good luck to him sold his business the other way, the other day and you know building that team up you know being a parent myself my team my kids are sort of teenagers now uh, for me building that team is important really um i think beyond that who knows really but right. certainly for now it's about i suppose you know watch the margins um you know mm-hmm. deliver good mm-hmm. service all that kind of stuff really and the rest of it comes from there but at the moment you know going back to the thing about building a business i would like to get the hours down a little bit i mean i think i logged 78 hours last week you know on, on harvest which was which was crazy but yeah it, it but it, but it is a, it is a it is a kind of like a, a seasonal business in some respects but but yeah for me it's about building a business that you're proud of that you've got your name above the door you know that where you people you who work for you go you know you develop them as well 
um, and your customers are successful. That, that's all you want, really. That's the thing that's most important. Hey, I'm curious about that. You said it's a seasonal business. Uh, is that what you said? Well, I think, uh, well, I, well, I think you know, it's not like we, we don't kind of, uh, it's not like we're farmers over here or something. But no, it's, no, no, it's, no, but, it's, uh, but, but, you but certainly there is there's a cycle a, to it. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah. First of all, we've got summer over here. I mean, I know in Canada you're just sort of nine foot in snow and uh, and all that sort of thing. Already, and and already and, uh, and, and and polar bears and whatever. But yeah, yeah but yeah. I mean, so, so, certainly, certainly, there's a period, say from say Mar- May through to September, when people, you know, you're not going to get many new projects kicking off at that point. So whereas in in now, it gets August September everybody is kicking off projects right. so you, the busy see this busy season is, is typically september through till kind of april may you know that time there um so you know and, and then you know uh, there's also i think as, a, as owners and, and and technologists there's also what we have the, the conference season so you get to kind of around mm-hmm. sort of like october november december you've got things like join you've got things like going on and so we might want to do things there as well um um, but but generally, I mean, certainly the summer is, is is quieter. You know, obviously a business objective is to make it so the summer summer isn't quieter. Um, but but certainly there is an element of seasonality to it. But it's um, but yeah, I think I think it's about building a team. It's making sure that you know your expenses don't exceed your your income all the time. It's very easy to be always be investing and always be chasing your tail. Um, and I think the the, the doom. I think the, the worst situation to be in is where you are um you know you've got you, you're just filling seats you know where you're you have to always be searching chasing work and getting people on projects regardless of the work just to kind of make you know just to make payroll each month that's an awful situation to be in and i think the other one is is where you're in a situation where i think consultancies have a sort of bit of a lifespan really um you know if you do build one where you're you're kind of you know you're starting out you recruit some people yeah, give it sort of six, seven years, and those people typically have got families. They mm-hmm. they don't want to work away. They don't want to work away so much, really. Mm-hmm. And and so it's very hard then to contain your costs. Um, but you end up with a situation where your kind of numbers are going down, and it's quite a hard one there. So I think there is naturally a lifespan to a consultancy. Um, and you know, keeping it going is a challenge. And I think well done to people who can do that. But you know, but it's fun, and it's what I enjoy doing. And and you know, and the market is is, is very interesting at the moment. And it, it would be interesting to have that same conversation in five years. Yeah, but we're both being <laughs> old and bitter, and uh, and, and put, 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 we 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 putting people at any project comes along just to kind of make the numbers and stuff, and uh, and all that kind of business. So anyway, look, it's been great speaking to you, Olivier. It's been, I'm conscious of time. Um, yeah, same here, Mark. So it's been great, um, and um, look, good luck with uh, everything you're doing, and I'll probably see you presumably at one of the events later in the year. And uh, but yeah, it's been great speaking to you, and uh, take care and look after yourself. All right, thanks. Bye.